Yes, God, we just look at you today. We want to fix our eyes on you, on things above and not on earthly things. We honor you in this place. Our desire is that you would be glorified in the way that we respond to your word today. God, I pray that um, as we gather together, as we worship, as we open up the Bible, that uh, our lives would be more reflective of you as we leave this place, that the, the honor and the, the glory of Jesus would be, would be made known, that you would be exalted. We love you. We thank you for the ways that you pursue us let our lives just respond wholeheartedly to you in everything that we do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to church. My name is Travis, lead pastor here at Antioch, and I'm so thankful that you have joined us today as we continue through our study in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 in a series that we are calling The Beautiful Church and uh, what a what a meaningful uh, series of messages for us since we are the church. We've been looking at how at the at the cross Jesus um, afforded for us a unity in the faith that He made a way for us to be unified with Him, but also with one another, and that we can come together around the person and work of Jesus and have a supernatural type of unity that is so unique and so uh, potent that when the world sees it, that they begin to identify Jesus as the Son of God who loves the world. And so there's something powerful there for us to, to enter into the unity of faith that we've, that we've been challenged in. We've been talking about the ways that Jesus has gifted the body of Christ and how each one of us, every time that we gather, are to bring the gifts that God has given us uh, for the building up of, of the church and uh, that we, we would all do the work of ministry. And, uh, and that's a, a goal for us to come to that, those places of maturity. And actually, we, uh, we have an opportunity coming up March 24th, so not this Friday, but the next Friday is our uh, Encounter Night that we have every two or three months. But this one in particular is going to have a focus on uh, ministering to one another. And we have different focuses during these worship nights. There's always an extended time of worship. Uh, but usually there's something that we feel like God is wanting to highlight. And this particular encounter night, we want to have the practical outworking of uh, taking the opportunity uh, to, to facilitate uh, the, the ministry of the body of believers so that we're going to be giving you opportunities to just to, to minister to others and be ministered to by others so that we might walk out and learn to walk out in our gifts in an increasing measure so that the body of Christ is built up into maturity. And so we'd really love to have you there. It's just another way that we're trying to be incredibly practical in this series. Anytime uh, we're, we're going through uh, the, the word of God, we, we have an aim to be doers of the word, not simply hearers of the word. 
but I, I think in this series, we felt even more so than normal that we've got to have ways that we are responding practically to the, to the text because they're, they're, because it's not just something that we're wanting to learn about. It's not just like, oh, this is a beautiful church. Now we can recognize it. Uh, now we can know what it is. No, we're, we're learning about it so that we can be it. That, that it is who we are. We are the church, so we're learning about how to become the beautiful church. It would be falling well short of God's desired outcome if we're just like, oh, great, now we know what it is, but we have no aspirations to become what it is. And so we're looking for those practical outworkings of, of receiving the, the challenge of the word of God to be who we're called to be as the church. A couple of weeks ago, we moved into more of the, the individual nature of, of walking out the faith uh, alongside of others. So it's not individual in the sense of we're, we're loners, but where before we were talking about the corporate expression of, of how our gifts serve the church or how we're unified together, we've been talking about uh, the individual walk of faith, the personal ownership that we take in our faith and, and recognize the way that that impacts those around us that we are to be doing life with. And um, really a critical juncture in, uh, in that, on, on the individual side of things was, was what we talked about last week. And I want to reiterate that um, before we jump into our text for today. So read with me uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. Something we hit last week, I'm not going to read all of what we read last week, but I want to read something because not only is there a crux here for us in the book of Ephesians, but really there's a crux here in the way of walking with Jesus and understanding of what, what has been given to us uh, in Christ that, that we need to understand um, in order to go on and, uh, and apply what we're going to be talking about today at its full measure. So read with me just real quickly, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24, it says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so there, there's a critical juncture in, uh, in the, the life of the believer when, when we begin to walk with God to understand the old self that is to be put off and the new self that is to be put on, okay? And so I demonstrated it last week. I'm gonna break it back out again by popular demand. Not, not really, but, um, but this, 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 uh, this little uh, outfit uh, I, I, I had on last week to demonstrate the old self. So this, this is to be the old self. This is to be the, the rags of, of the old self. It is, it is the sin, it is the shame. It is as verse 22 says, it is um, that which is being corrupted into deceitful desires. It's the, the former way of life. If you back up a little bit further there in Ephesians 4, you could think of it as uh, the, the old self is, is darkened in, in their understanding, separated from the life of God. Uh, there's the hardening of the heart. There is the loss of all sensitivity, the giving the, themselves over to sensuality, the indulging in every kind of impurity, the, the fullness of greed. This is the old self and, and it's, it's filled with shame and, and regret and, in, and indulgement and, and enslavement. And, and we likened that to the story of the prodigal son who left the father's house, 
spent all of his inheritance in this kind of wild way of living uh, until he was broke and had nothing and a great famine hit the land and he couldn't find any work until finally he was, uh, he was working for a farmer feeding the pigs, but still so hungry and desperate that he wanted to eat the, the slop that the pigs were eating. And so he was carrying a stench. He was carrying guilt. He was carrying shame and, and he was carrying desperation so that he went back to the father and, and he goes back to the father knowing that the, in the father's house, even if he's a servant, at least he would have enough food to eat. But he comes back home and the father pulls out the, the royal robe, right? He pulls out the, this royal robe that's to, to symbolize that, that you are my son, that, that, that you are not, uh, this is not who you are, uh, but this is who you are. And so he tells them to, to the servants to bring out the royal robe and, and puts it around them. And there's something just incredibly wonderful about the love of God that meets us right where we are. Meaning no matter where you were coming into this room, no matter your past, that when you turn to God, the God who is pursuing you with loving kindness, his arms are open wide. And so all of the guilt, all of the, the shame, all of the addiction that has consumed you, uh, you, can, you can be free of in Christ. And so it's like, I, I want that. And many of you in this room have made that decision saying, I want that. I don't, I don't want that old junk anymore. I want Jesus. There's life there. There's hope there. And then there's the outworking of the, the Christian life. That's what we're going to be talking about today. But, but here's the thing that I want us to be aware of, and we talked a little bit about it last week, is that when we begin the outworking of the Christian life and we begin to, to start turning our life around, making better decisions and choices, and there are, are going to be plenty of opportunities for us to have to apply the things we're learning in Scripture to the way that we live life. But there are mistakes that we will make. There are shortcomings that, we, that, that are inevitable. There are old patterns that we will accidentally stumble back into. There are things that people will say about us that will, will, will trigger shame from our past. And if, when that happens, if this old garment is still, if we're still clothed in this old garment, even though this new garment is wrapped around us, we'll begin to think something like this. Oh, that is who I am, isn't it? Wow, I'm, I'm back to doing that again. I, I've just put this on, but I'm really just a fraud. Like I'm trying to do it right, but I can't do it. This is who I really am. And, and when we step into a, an old pattern of addiction and we kind of stumble back into it, we'll be like, yep, I'm still not free. That's who I've always been. That's who I always will be. And, and we go back into like, this is, that's who I am. And I can't escape it because we've made the mistake uh, of putting on this, this new garment without ever taking off the old garment, right? The, the old self and chucking it and saying, that is not who I am. That, that's not who I am anymore. And then we put on the new garment. We put on the, the new self where we, we are created. It says we are created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
So, so do, you, do you get the, the powerful reality of what's happening here? That the new self is a new creation. It's where the ter that, that term, that idea born again comes from. It's like you're being born again, not to your old flesh and your sinful nature, but you're actually your new nature was created specifically to be like God in righteousness and holiness. And so now when you're walking about through life and you've, got, you've been redeemed and you've got this new self and this new cloak on and yet you inevitably stumble and you make a mistake or somebody declares something about you or says something about you and it triggers a place of shame from your past, those same things that happen, now you're like, ah, oh, I knew that's who, oh wait, wait, that's right. That's not who I am. This is who I am. And so that, that pattern or of addiction where you stumble back in and you made a mistake, which, which before would have been like, oh, that's just who I am. And you find yourself stumbling back and wallowing back in it. Now you're like, oh, oh wait, no, that's not who I am. And I step back and I rebuke it and I repent from it. And I, and I declare that's not who I am. This is who I am. I am a new creation created to be like God in righteousness and in holiness. And so this is literally who I am. And so everything that we're going to talk about today is coming from who I am. It's not an outer cloak that's simply being put on and wrapped around you to hide who you truly are. No, it is coming out of who you are because when we try to do that, it just becomes very legalistic. It becomes very defeating. And in the end, we give up. And we say, this is who I'll always be, rather than recognizing that we are a new creation, not who we used to be, but created in the likeness of God for, for his glory. And so I want us to read this next passage of scripture, uh, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, with that imagery in mind, with that reality, uh, just letting that reality sink in deeply so that we might walk out rightfully from the inside out th these truths. And so this is the way we're gonna do it. I'm gonna go through these verses as quickly as possible, hopefully more quickly than in the first service because we went long, um, because I wanna save some time at the end to, to read back over the entirety of this passage of scripture. And, and we're gonna do something just real practical to allow God to speak to us through his word and respond to it. Okay, because there's a lot going on here. In these eight verses, there's about eight different things that he's saying, hey, that we're throwing off this and we're putting on this and throwing off this and putting on this. And, and so we're gonna hit them real briefly uh, so that we can then allow God to just really highlight for different ones of us in this room, different things that, that he's wanting to speak to us about uh, to move forward in greater health and freedom. Okay, so we're gonna begin just in verse 25 and we're, I'm not even gonna read the whole thing through. We're just gonna take it uh, verse by verse here, beginning Ephesians chapter four, verse 25. Therefore, okay, so, so therefore, since we've taken off the old and put on the new, all of this is the therefore of that. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. So we're throwing off falsehood. We're, we're being truthful. It's relating again back to verse 22 uh, where, where it says that the old self is being corrupted by deceit. 
that the, the old self is filled with deceit, that there is a core driver and it's, it's the deceiving, it's, it's deceitful and it's alluring us towards that which is not life-giving. And so we, we throw off the old nature um, where it, within the old nature, we're told that the devil is the father of lies, that, that his very nature, his very native tongue is untruthfulness, that his nature is a deceiver and we are throwing off that nature and we're putting on the new nature which walks in the light as Jesus is in the light. It follows the way of Jesus uh, who is truth. It follows the way of Jesus in the truth and it's that truth that sets us free. And so we're walking in truthfulness, not in deceit. And it adds to that, for we are all members of one body. So even specifically, we're, 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 we're especially walking in truth with, uh, with, with, our, with our church body. So of course, we're walking in truth everywhere, but he's like, why would you lie to yourself? You know, why would the body, uh, you know, why, why would the mouth ever lie to the hand and, and, as it's eating dinner and say that the eye is the mouth and it po- pokes the fork into the eye? It was like, wh- that, why would you ever lie? Why would you ever come in un- untruthfulness? And, and where we are not just talking about, oh, I, I told a lie, but we're talking about we're, we're not coming, we're throwing off falsehood and, and we're coming with honesty, with transparency. And not the kind of honesty and transparency that you, you hear people say like, hey, I just like to be honest, or I like to shoot straight, or I like transparency, and then they just zing you with something, right? That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the kind that's coming with some kind of vulnerability and, and some kind of genuine nature of like want, wanting to, to operate in, in truthfulness. And, and it's a different spirit behind it. And some of you are in workplaces where you're like, man, it is just cutthroat. And people are lying or, or talking behind each other's backs all the time because they're trying to, to get ahead in the company and they're trying to make other people look bad. And you're just coming against that and saying, that's the, that's the old nature. And this, there's nothing life-giving about it. It's destructive. It, it, is, it is being corrupted by deceit. So I'm putting on the new self and I'm gonna operate in truthfulness and honesty. Verse 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, so now we're talking about anger, which, which is a, it's a big deal. Each of these, there's going to be like, wow, we need to wrestle with how we're throwing off the old and putting on the new. In your anger, do not sin. And so there is an allowance given here uh, for, for anger. Um, I would say the, the overall... Uh, the way that the, the Bible addresses anger is that anger ought to be very limited. It ought to be very limited and it look, godly anger looks a certain way and, and most of the ways that anger comes up in our lives is not godly anger, okay? Um, one of the, the verses that we can read to, to kind of get some insight into that would be James 1, 19 and 20. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And remember, we were created to be like God in true righteousness, but man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. So it is of the old self. We are putting on the new self. The anger of God, if, the, if it does come, will be slow in nature. 
a lot of our anger is very hasty, right? It's a, it's a, it's a lot of our anger is very responsive. It's very defensive. It's very much uh, motivated by our emotions in a moment or an action that was done against us that we did not like. But the anger of, of God, the anger of righteousness, it will, it will come in slowness where there has been time to, to consider and to weigh. And, and it would be a slowness that is not reactive against a harm or wrong done to us, but an offense done towards God that dishonors him, uh, that, that is not just, that is based on an assault against his character. And it, it causes an anger, this, a righteous anger to, to defend God. I, I would add this, and I found this to be very helpful in my study this week, uh, uh, that, that someone was, was discussing how godly anger is often mingled with grief. Mark 3, 4, and 5 is talking about a, a one such instance when Jesus was interacting with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who when Jesus became angry, it was towards them. It was towards their, their religious piousness and hypocrisy and uh, promoting God to be somebody that he was not. And, uh, but even then it says this in Mark 3, verse 4 and 5, Jesus said to them, it is, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. There was a, a, a grieving in the heart of Jesus that was, that was mingled with his, his righteous anger at a, at a group of religious leaders who, who, wouldn't even, who were silent to the question of, does the Sabbath keep us from doing good? Really, is that the heart of God, that the Sabbath would keep us from doing good, that would keep us from giving away life to another? And in their obstinance, in their hardness of heart, they were silent and it both grieved Jesus and caused a righteous anger in him as he addressed the Pharisees. And so we are on the guard against anger. Specifically, he goes on and says, do not, when anger arises, let the sun go down on your anger. Let the day of your anger be the day of your reconciliation. It's all happening at once, that we are not letting the sun go down on our anger, but we are looking towards reconciliation. We are pursuing it. We are going there in our own hearts. And that can be a wrestle, can it not? Like where I, 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 don't, I don't know, that I, I want to be angry at this person. It feels kind of good right now because they hurt me. They upset me and, and I want them to know it. And I want to let my anger show it. And, and I want to, I, they hurt me. I want to hurt them back. Like there's, there's that, and we read it a, a couple of weeks ago, this scary line in, in Ephesians 4, where, where is it? Uh, verse, verse 19, they have given themselves over to, to sensuality and indulging in impurity and greed. Like this giving of yourself. Like, no, I want to give my, I want to be angry right now. You know, like that giving of yourself. You're like, oh God, God, let me not, let me not be that way. But let me, let me deal with that anger in my heart. Let me not uh, allow the sun to go down on my anger, but let me pursue reconciliation so as to not give the devil a foothold. Okay. 
what's being said here is that when we hold on to a grudge, when we allow offense to reside within us, when we do not deal with those, those, the, that anger through reconciliation, before even letting the sun go down, when we're not pursuing it, you know, if it happens at a, you know, right before the sun set, it's not, that's not what it's about. It's about, are you pursuing it as soon as it happens? As soon as the anger comes up, are you pursuing it right now? And when we don't, and allow the grudge to be held and the offense to, to build up, do you know what you're actually doing? According to Paul, you're actually kind of creating this little foothold in your life, just kind of this little platform and, and saying, hey, Satan, will you, you wanna come stand right here? Do you, do you wanna get some traction in my life? Because I'm building this little thing. It's called a foothold for you to come and stand and get traction in my life. That's literally what we are doing when we decide that we're going to hold on to anger, let a grudge develop, let offense. It's, it's allowing the enemy to, to have a foothold in your life. That, and when he finds that, he, he will ruin your life with all, all types of bitterness and resentment. And so we've, we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to understand what we are doing when we allow those things to happen. We, and we've heard this before. We think we're hurting somebody else, right? All the while we're destroying our own lives. And so we've got to, we've got to let it go. That, the, the, that, that anger and, and resent, that's the old nature that you have thrown off. You're not a slave to it anymore. You're putting on the, the new self, which blesses and seeks reconciliation. Verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Again, this idea of stealing in the old nature comes out of verse 22, where it says the old self is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Not just deceit, but now this idea of deceitful desires. I have to have that. That is what brings satisfaction. That's what brings fulfillment. That's what I need. That's what will make me feel pleasure. That's what will make me feel like I'm somebody and I have worth. And it's these deceptive thoughts that cause us to go and get them no matter the cost. Where we go and we begin to steal. Now I know most of you aren't uh, on the regular in, in the stores taking candy bars off the shelves or stealing things or have not figured out how to hack into bank accounts and get large sums of money, like those kinds of things of, that we think about with stealing. But I also want us to think about taking, where, where we take things specifically in relationships that actually are, are not being given to us. For those of you who are married in this room, I think there are many things in our relation in our marriage relationships that we can even think of where we, we don't believe that the other spouse is giving us what we deserve or being who we need them to be. And because they are not, and because we deserve that, we're going to go and take it. We're going to go and, and, and take those things and we're gonna demand those things. And, and, um, and it doesn't actually end in intimacy in the end. It, it ends in like friction where there's a lot of uh, taking in the marriage relationship uh, cyclically rather than giving cyclically. And, 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 we, and we wanna reverse that where we're, we're actually 
What does it say here? We're, we're not just stealing because stealing's not right. We're not not taking just because taking something that's not ours is not right, but it, we're actually doing it so that in the end, we might have something to share with those in need. So not only does he say we're, we're not to steal, but we're to work, to put, to put our hands to good use so that we might have something in order that we might give to those in need, in order that we might be generous. So it's not all about us. Think about back to that taking in the, in the marriage example that Maybe instead of taking something that I feel like I deserve or that I want or that I need or that's my right, I want to actually get, get some work done in my own life. What do I need to do? Why, why is my spouse not wanting to give to, to, to me in that way? And so how can I actually do some work so that I have something to give? So I'm not a taker, I, I'm, a, I'm a giver. And so it's about generosity, letting the heart of generosity overflow that we're not stealing and taking to meet our own needs, but that we're actually working and serving and, and putting our time to good use. Show that not again, so that it can be selfish and so I can have what I need, but actually so I can have enough to help others that have need. And so it's just flipping everything on its head. Uh, where, where we're like, we're scraping and clawing and stealing and taking so we can make sure that we have enough. That's the horrible uh, nature of the old self. We're having to do that and live and claw our way into it instead of saying like, hey, let me just work and serve and love and trust God so that I can actually be a blessing. Whew, how much more free, how much more, more life-giving is that than the old nature Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Whew, the challenges just, they, they keep coming. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. We're, we are not just talking about vulgarity or, or crass uses of language or cuss words or that, that that's that's only the the beginning of it but we're, we're talking about words and talk that have no affection no good will no kindness that they're they're ugly they're, there's nothing of of, of, of moral beauty or holiness about them. They're not given in love. They're, they're, they're selfish. They're, they're, they're prideful. And um, it's, this, it's, a, it's a way of talking that's, that's coming from within. And, and, and this Greek word is sapros that's used here uh, for unwholesome or no unwholesome or evil or corrupt words come from you. And it's, this word is used only in one or the other occasion in all of the New Testament. And it's when uh, Jesus is talking about the, uh, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree, that's that same word sapros there, that produces bad fruit. And, and actually, e even when he's using it there, it comes back to our speech. And I want us to read the, the occasion where, where Jesus uses this word in Matthew. He actually uses it in all the, um, the, the first three synoptic gospels. But in Matthew 12, 33 through 37, it reads like this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Whew. I don't think there is one of us in this room that could escape the, the conviction of verse 36, which says every person will give account for every careless word they speak. And I think this idea of this unwholesome talk, it, it goes even into this idea of just the carelessness of the words. We're, we're not thinking about uh, <clears throat> how they are affecting those around us because this passage doesn't just say, don't let any unwholesome talk out of your mouths, but it says, don't let that come out of your mouth, but rather only let what come out of your mouth, what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Only let uh, the words come out of your mouth that benefit those who listen. So it's not just about not saying particular words. It's about a, a heart transformation. It's about the new self taking ownership and taking root in our lives so that our speech, that we're using our speech and our words and our mouth as a means of grace to those around us. That we are, we are thinking about how we can speak to edify. We're, we're speaking and using language with others in mind and how it's going to affect them and how they might be built up. Again, flipping on its head the way that language is, can often be used and saying we wanna use it in this way, not letting any unwholesome talk come out of our mouth, not as a legalistic like, oh, I'm just not supposed to say these words, but a heart transformation of how can I bless, honor, build up, edify, and use my words as a means of grace for God to use in the lives of those around me. All right, verse 30, I'm trying to move quick. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Romans 8 talks about the spirit of God that lives within us, the very same spirit that, that rose Jesus from the dead, the spirit that brings life is, is living in us, is, is empowering us. And, and I think it's pretty um, telling of our God that when we sin, it's, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we think about uh, when we sin against God that maybe he is, he is angry, he is frustrated, he's put out. We, it's our last chance. He's you know, going to use the silent treatment. You know, he's silent when we're angry. He, he gives a distance. No, what it says here is it's just, it's grieving to the heart of God. It's grieving to the spirit of, of God when we allow the old nature to have its way rather than the new nature to shine through. It, it grieves him because he cares for us and he continues to pursue us with his loving kindness. And it's actually that kindness the Bible talks to us uh, about is that leads us to repentance, to this place of just, I just, God, I just want to be with you. I don't want that. I want to turn to you. I don't want the old nature 
It's this spirit that has sealed us for the day of redemption. And that's actually the day when this long battle with sin will be over once and for all. It's on that day and it's the spirit of God within the believer that is actually sealing them for that day of redemption. The promise of God is made real in your life and in your heart because the spirit of God is there marking it, sealing you for that day of redemption when the deepest longings of your heart will be satisfied and the battle with sin will be no more. And so we do not want to grieve the spirit of God, but we want to walk in who we really are in our new nature Finally, verses 31 and 32 say, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And so these verses are a juxtaposition, the first one being that which we're putting off, the the bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and any other form of malice, and putting on kindness and compassion, tenderheartedness towards one another, forgiveness, just as Christ has forgiven us. We're called to put on kindness to display the kindness of God, the compassion or the tenderheartedness of God. The way that we put on the new self is that we've thrown off the hard heart that has been condemned and we're putting on a tender heart, a heart that is easily moved by God. You know, something that's tender, it doesn't take much for it to be aware of maybe the pain or of, of some, the presence of something else. And so in our tenderness, we are very sensitive to the, the moving of the spirit. Even in our own re- repentance, uh, there, there's, a, there's a quickness to respond to God because of our tenderheartedness and our, our movement towards kindness and compassion. We're forgiving quickly because we're recognizing that we have been forgiven of much. That picture of the old self being uh, discarded and thrown away and freely given this new garment to wear motivates us to operate in forgiveness towards those around us, even though it's costly. We know forgiveness is costly. We, we, we know that the opportunity that we've been given to take off the old garment and put on the new garment costs God a lot in that Jesus His infinitely worthy son was given up to death on the cross. In the same way, though it be not near so steep, forgiveness costs us something. That we have to lay down our pride. That that we have to not demand a, a, a right be given to us because of a wrong done. It, it costs us the... the the sweet taste of revenge. It costs us that, like we talked about earlier, holding on to anger or holding on to a pride of superiority to be able to hold somebody down in their place because of what they've done to us. But instead, forgiving others as Christ has forgiven us. And so I want us to do this as we've taken just some time to try to understand just a little bit more deeply what uh, Paul is speaking of and throwing off the old nature and putting on the new and talking about some specifics of what that looks like when we grasp a hold of that new nature. And I want us to do this. I'm going to, um, to take some time to just read aloud this passage of Scripture in its entirety. I'm going to invite you to just kind of close your eyes to, to, to be able to just listen 
or if it's helpful, the words will be on the screen if, if you need to be able to see it as it's being read. But I want you to specifically listen for, for the, the word or phrase or words or phrases, just one or two things that God is wanting to highlight for you today in his word. Because we want to respond to the things that he's wanting to highlight. It's hard to take all of these things and be like, oh my goodness, there's so much I need to work on. But what is the thing today that God would want to highlight in his word to you? You already may have an idea of that as we've been talking through it. But I just want to read the word of God over us and encourage you to listen to God as he wants to highlight different things to different ones of us in the room. Okay? Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. just giving you permission to highlight, to speak to us through your word. Open our hearts, open our ears just to hear what it is that you're wanting to speak. Because I know that you're jealous for us to walk in the new nature. What are ways here that we've not, we not thrown off the old? read it over us one more time and just allow God to speak to you and to begin to continue to highlight what he's wanting to show us in his word today. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger. Get rid of brawling and slander along with every form of malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. you'll find a, a note card. I'd like for every person to pull out a little note card, unless you've got your journal that you want to write in. But there's little note cards there for each of us to just take, and there should be pins in between each of the chairs as well. I want you to take a moment, and I want you to first write down the thing, the phrase, the, the words that God just highlighted to you from, from Ephesians 4. I want you to write that down. And then I want you to ask God, God, what do you want me to do about this? What do you want me to do about this? And in doing so, I want you to do it very simply. Just, I will blank. Okay, so if, they're, they're, if, if the phrase, forgiving others, as God forgave me, was highlighted to you, you know, it might be something like, okay, I, I, will, I will begin to forgive others. But I, but I want us to make sure that we're getting specific enough by maybe asking the question, what does that look like? What does it look like for me to forgive others? There maybe is there specific people that I need to forgive? Maybe there's different things that God would highlight, but I want you to write down an I will statement. Again, this is an effort for us to be doers of the word, to respond to God's word, to, to allow the word of God to have deep impact in our lives. So I'm going to give you just another moment here to, to, to listen to God and say, God, how would I respond to this part of your word that you're highlighting to me today through writing an I will statement? today, we just want to allow a spirit of repentance to fall in any way that you need to have more of our hearts, any way that we need to start walking out in these ways of the, of the, new, the new self, the new nature, forgiving others, not letting unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. 
not taking, not grieving the spirit. So Lord, we're just asking for a true spirit of repentance, not of guilt or of legalism or condemnation. There's just a fresh longing and desire to be fully yours. To not allow anything to come and with the old self, bringing the corruption of deceitful desires, but in every way to step into the new creation, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what we want to walk in today, God. And so I want you to just take the time that you need if you're still writing things on that card because that's a, an important thing for us today. And when you're ready, I want to invite you, as if you're a believer in the room today, a follower of Christ, to come and take communion. And, and as we take communion today, you can come and take it. You can take it back to your seats and um, take it when you're ready. You can do it here at the front if you'd like. But um, we're just saying, God, I... I'm, I'm yours. I'm yours. And, and as I think about the blood that you shed and your body that was broken, I'm, I'm thinking about the cost that it that that was that was paid so that I could walk in the new create in new creation, being the new self. And so no longer do I want to give anything, any way of this old self. And if you're in the room today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to talk with you about that. I'll be down here in the front, and I just want you to know, as I said at the beginning, that God's arms are open wide to you today. He loves you. He is pursuing you today. And so let's continue to respond as God leads. And again, if, this is your, if, this, if you're a follower of Christ and with us today, I invite you to come and take communion before the Lord when you're ready.